Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Lake Point family, if you guys got your Bibles, head over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's going to be today, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. While you're turning there, I need everybody to look at me at every campus. Everybody look at me at every campus. It's really hard to turn while you're looking at me, but do it anyway, okay? Yeah, I need it, I need it. Okay, repeat after me. We're going to be on the same page today. Repeat after me. I would rather, I would rather my, pastor my pastor tell me what the Bible says, me the Bible says. than just tell me what I want to hear. Because I'm not a baby. All right, now, I'm not trying to be a jerk or condescending. I actually have a biblical reason for saying that. We'll get to that here in a second, okay? Uh, Guys, today we are in week three of a series that I am really excited about that we're just calling Following Jesus in a Jacked Up Church. Following Jesus in a Jacked Up Church, where we're preaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of 1 Corinthians. And if I was going to give you like a one-sentence summary of why we are titling this uh, series Following Jesus in a Jacked Up church. Here's what we learned in 1 Corinthians. Here's the sentence. Churches are not programs or buildings. They're people. And people are messy, so churches are messy. Churches are not programs or buildings. They're people. And people are messy, so churches are messy. And the book of 1 Corinthians is like case study number one. Like, Point A example of churches being really, really messy. In fact, if, um, if we were going to take the book of 1 Corinthians and turn it into a Netflix special, the title of the Netflix special would be Christians Gone Wild. Because uh, this is what we got in the book of 1 Corinthians. You, you got this church where there was just all this stuff. Like what had happened was the world was, get, the world was influencing the church instead of the church influencing the world. And so in this church in Corinth, let me, let me recap really quick. You just had all this stuff going on. You had these divisions in the church. You had little factions of the church that were going, I only like it when he preaches. I only like it when he leads worship. I will only come if he, I'm going to watch the Saturday night broadcast. And if he's speaking, I'll be there. And if not, I'm out. Okay. So you had these little divisions. Those divisions actually started turning like acrimonious and emotional. You actually had people in this church, church members suing each other in public courts and damaging the reputation of the gospel and the witness of the church. Um, More than that, I talked about this in week one, um, the the city of Corinth, it was like the sex capital of Rome. So if you, I said this, Corinth was like, if you took modern day Las Vegas, Amsterdam and Burning Man and combined them, 
you would get the city of Corinth. Rampant sexual immorality. And instead of the church influencing the world, the world was influencing the church. So, that, so all these people were getting radically saved out of sexual immorality and, and the, these backgrounds. And they were bringing that into the church. You actually had married people in this church, we'll talk about this later in the series, visiting prostitutes and then coming to church and being like, was that wrong? Should I not have done that? Was that a problem? You know, I thought, I thought we were free in Christ, you know. And then in 1 Corinthians 5, you actually have people like dabbling in what we today would call like alternative sexualities. And instead of the church like lovingly confronting the person, this church was like applauding and affirming it. And they were like, hey, look at how tolerant, inclusive, and affirming we are. And so the world was getting into the church instead of the church influencing the world. People were getting saved out of addiction backgrounds. And, and, you know, they were still in that process of recovery. And so people were walking in and they were actually showing up early. This is like a legit thing. Showing up early to the Lord's Supper services so they could get drunk on Lord's Supper wine. Like skipping the breakfast beer and going straight to church just to hang out with their friends, Jose Cuervo and Jack Daniels. They're good buddies, okay? And so the, all this was happening. And then in the middle of this, all this jacked up stuff was happening. But in the middle of this, God poured out his spirit in a unique way on this church because God loves sinners. And so his spirit was poured out in a powerful way. And you had these two factions in the church. There were some people seeing this new, fresh move of the spirit in the church. And they were like, bro, this is weird. Like, we got to tamp this thing down. It's awkward. And they were quenching the Holy Spirit. But then you had other people who were like, ah, we're all in. And they had no restraint and, and no biblical maturity and discipleship. And so they were like treating worship services like spiritual gift American Idol episodes. And like, we'll talk about this later. It was just total chaos, okay? And what Paul does in this passage that we're getting to in 1 Corinthians 3, here's what he does. Paul essentially goes, hey, Church at Corinth, you know what your problem is? You're acting like a bunch of babies. For real, like legit. Let me read it to you in 1 Corinthians 3.1. It just says like this. Paul says, man, brothers, I couldn't even address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. Watch this. As infants in Christ. I didn't I did treat you like, I got to talk to you like babies right now. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready. And even now, you're still not ready. And so Paul says, hey, the issue underneath all your issues to this church, Paul says, you're acting like a bunch of babies and you need to grow up, okay? Now, here's why Paul says that. If that feels like harsh or offensive, it's actually a really good analogy, okay? Here's why Paul says that. When babies do baby things, it's cute. When adults do baby things, not so cute, okay? So for instance, I've got a, uh, I've got a two-year-old Hudson. He's like half still in that baby phase. We, we, we love it, man. We love two, right? And so Hudson right now, um, he loves a bunch of baby things. He loves Paw Patrol with everything that is in him. I hear, I hear that. You know, I hear that. I don't know who it is. Man, it's like Zuma, Sky, Chase, Rubble. I can sing the whole song, y'all. I'm in. I'm, okay. So he's all about it. So he wants to walk around in his little Marshall hat all the time. Uh, so he loves Paw Patrol. He hates wearing any clothes. And he eats everything. That's like my kind of kid, honestly. And so, and so like, here's a picture of Hudson right now, a recent picture. It's, right? It's cute. Isn't that cute? It's legit cute. That's his little boppy right there, okay? It's cute, okay? Now, do you know what's not cute? This is not cute, okay? That's not cute. <laughs> not cute. In fact, keep that up there because I want this horrifying image etched into your minds. 
Okay, now there's two reasons that all of you are recoiling right now. Number one, I'm going to say something that sounds crass, but it's just a fact. Nobody wants to see their pastor's nipples. That's like a, that's just a, a reality, a universal reality, okay? I always, when I'm on Instagram in the summer, I remember that, okay? That's a rule for me, okay? Now, that's number one. Number two, here's why that's horrifying. Because babies doing baby things is cute. Adults doing baby things is not cute, Babies, when people are two years old and they're pooping and peeing and contributing nothing and just mooching off of mama's house, like there's actually like, hey, that's okay, it's kind of cute. When somebody's 25 or 35 and they're pooping and peeing and contributing nothing and mooching off of mama's house, not cute. Some of y'all need to write that down right now. Like for legit, some, and some grandparents like, amen. That's it, man. It's like, come on, bro. It's not cute because baby do, babies doing baby things is cute. Adults doing baby things is not cute. Paul in this passage, what he's saying, when he, I had to address you as infants. He's saying, listen, if you were a brand new believer, some of this stuff makes sense. What doesn't make sense is somebody that's walked with Christ for a few years that's still acting like babies. And there's such a thing as Christians who should have matured by now but are still pooping and peeing and contributing nothing and needing everybody to spoon feed them in the house of God. And that's what Paul is doing in this passage. Now, if you can't tell, this message is going to be very straightforward. Uh, my tone in this passage it, it honestly, it mirrors the tone of Paul in 1 Corinthians 3. And so I'm gonna, this message is about, I, I'm gonna give it away and then we're, we're, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna preach it. This message is about how to mature as a Christian in the church. But listen, there's gonna be some moments in this message where you may feel like I'm coming at you and you might feel condemned. But listen, this sermon is not at you, it's for you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to help you because there's a universal reality. This is a law of the universe. Here's how the universe works. Maturity brings blessings and immaturity brings curses. That's like how God has designed the universe. If you don't believe me, like honestly, I think you can look out and you can see this in our nation. Like as a pastor right now, um, people are a lot of times like, man, Pastor Josh, we got a morality problem in our country. And I'm like, that's true. We do. We got a morality problem in our country. The role of the church is to be a prophetic voice, the immune system of the culture. That's our job. Okay. So we do have a morality problem. Personal opinion, underneath the morality problem is a maturity problem. Because in our country, we don't anymore like teach people things like personal responsibility, things like delayed gratification, things that mature people understand. And so like in our country, what we do is we're like, hey, bro, you don't need to save. Just go into debt and get it now. You don't need to wait to be married. Just go ahead and have sex with whoever you want. You don't need self-control. Just drink and eat whatever you want, whenever you want, that kind of thing. And so an entire generation ends up going into debt, having sex whenever they want, ruining their lives. And then they vote for politicians who allow them to kill the children they create and who promise to fund their continued adolescence. See, that's like, that's a maturity problem. Those are maturity problems, okay? So listen, maturity brings blessings and immaturity brings curses. Immature people, because they don't do delayed gratification, they go into debt and they live in financial struggle. Because the immature people, they don't think about how their actions affect other people, they live a life of relational chaos. Immature people, they don't understand boundaries and their priorities are out of order. So if they ever get a family, their family's all jacked up. And because immature people don't do personal responsibility, they live their lives under the weight of a victim mentality. But watch this, maturity brings blessings. 
Guys, people who make mature decisions, they get to experience things like getting a good job, succeeding at work, financial stability. They have healthy families, relational and emotional satisfaction. And because they live with high personal responsibility, they don't live with a victim mentality. They get to live with a victor mentality. That's maturity. And what Paul's saying in this passage is he's going, hey, what's true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. There are two paths, a spiritual path of spiritual maturity and a spiritual path of spiritual immaturity. And here's how this works. God has a plan to bless your life. Satan has a plan to curse your life. And ultimately you get to decide which plan you're on. And in this passage, what Paul does, he goes, hey, I wanna help you grow up. Let's grow up. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna speak to you in a very straightforward way about how to be a mature Christian in the church. I'm gonna say three things, I'm gonna go there. So three things you need to do. There's gonna be no clarity at all. You're gonna know exactly what you need to do to be a mature Christian in the church. You need to re- regularly eat, and I'll use that, explain that analogy, God's word, participate in a life group and serve on a team and give financially. Now, I'm gonna go through these things and, and listen, I'm going to break these things down, listen to me, biblically. I'm going to break them down biblically because I want you to understand that what I'm saying is coming from God's word. Listen, here's why. So that you cannot argue with me. Listen, so you like, every time I make a point, I want you to see that comes from God's word. So you might not like it and you might not want to receive it, but if you resist it, you're not resisting a pastor, you're resisting God. And so I'm just going to be very clear and very straightforward. I'll be really honest just to let you guys know, there's a word that I feel like the Spirit has kind of given me in this season for preaching, and it's bold. Just be bold. The world is being very bold with lies. It's the job of the church to be equally bold with truth. And so we're just going to be very bold, very bold, okay? So I'm going to do that. I'm going to be really straightforward. And here's why. Let me, let me just help you understand this. Something I said a couple weeks ago, okay? The reason I'm being just very straightforward is because I'm not trying to be a politician, I'm trying to be a pastor. I'm not trying to win your votes. I am trying to win souls. And God is not giving any, that's grandma man. God is not giving me any points for diplomacy. He wants disciples, okay? And if I look back at my ministry, just to confess some things for a second, if I look back at my ministry, there are times where I spent a lot of time like beating around the bush because I didn't want people mad at me. But here's what I found, okay? If you baby Christians, you're going to get baby Christians. And I want you to experience the blessings of maturity. Here's what there are. There are two types of Christians. Christians who love the truth boldly proclaimed. And then a second type of Christian that Paul talks about in in 1 Corinthians 3. Look at verse 1. He says, man, I couldn't even address you as spiritual. I had to talk to you as worldly. So there's a type of Christian who actually hates it when a pastor boldly proclaims the truth. Here's why. Because they've been given a new spiritual identity, but they're still hanging on to their old worldly values. Let me say it another way. Actually, this type of Christian that has been given the spirit, but still has values of the world, this person's always miserable because they're constantly getting spiritual food, but you still have worldly taste buds. So when you get it, you're like, ah, and you say things like, I don't like that pastor. He's mean. Okay. Listen to me. This is really important. 
You say that because you mistakenly believe that if something makes you uncomfortable, it must mean it's unloving. Because Jesus constantly made people uncomfortable. He did it a lot because he loved people enough to tell them the truth, knowing they would kill him for it. Okay, so I'm gonna do that. We're just gonna speak really straightforward about what this looks like. And uh, are y'all good with me just being very straightforward? We good with that? All right, let's go for it. Here we go. All right, so here we go. How to be a mature Christian in the church. Number one, regularly eat God's word, okay? Now, eat, let me use that analogy. You guys know, um, you guys who have kids, are, the moms in the room, I need to know that you, you have experienced this misery also. So here's the problem with kids and food, okay? With kids, I mean, here's the problem. Kids are too picky towards good food and not picky enough towards bad food. Is that true? Amen, moms? Okay. Amen. That's what I just heard. Okay. Amen. All right. So, that's, so, so with our son Hudson, two years old, Jana is like a legit cook, like very good. Works at it, loves to cook, home-cooked meal, like she's a good cook, okay? But Jana, like she knew this thing where it could be a finely prepared meal. She would set it down in front of Hudson, and he'll freak out and throw a fit because he's like, I need it cut in triangles, okay? Or no food touching each other. Now, some of y'all are 50, and you still do that, and that's like, I get it, okay? I totally get it. No food touching each other, okay? Or no, in a bowl, I don't want it on the plate. Or I need a fork, not a spoon. Or I'll give him something. I only like it when mommy makes it, okay? Now, <laughs> somebody, yes, okay. Now, what Paul says in this passage is he goes, hey, spiritual babies are the exact same way. Okay, watch what he says. Uh, pick, pick up with me in this verse. Verse three, he says, man, when one of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who's Apollos and who's Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered, but it was God who made it grow. Okay, now let me give you the context so you understand what's happening. So this church, 1 Corinthian church, when we get this book, this church is like four and a half years old. So what happened was this dude named Paul, who I'm going to talk about more in the next couple weeks, he came in and he planted this church. And Paul was an older more mature, rich Bible teacher. Love doctrine, you know, love the theology, got in that stuff. But actually the Bible tells us Paul was kind of a boring preacher, okay? So Paul plants church, then Paul leaves, is called somewhere else, and this, this guy named Apollos comes in, and Apollos was a young, energetic, very talented speaker, so Apollos comes in, he's lighting the place on fire. And, and so there was Paul, there's Apollos. And then Peter, at this point, is the leader of the apostles in Jerusalem. And he's like exercising apostolic authority over the churches. Now, here's what happened in this church. These different people in the church were like, I only like it, I, I only like it when Paul preaches. I can't do Apollos. I only like it how Paul teaches. And the other people were like, no, no, no. I like the young, energetic preacher, and he's the only one to listen to. I'm going to watch the Saturday night broadcast and see if Apollos is preaching. And if he's, if he's not, I'm just going to hang out at home, and I'll wait until the next time he's up. And then some people were like, well, you know, I, I respect authority, and so Peter is the person I receive the word from, okay? So they were all doing this thing uh, where it was like, okay, I, I can only, you know, re receive from them. Now, what Paul says in this is he's going, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. 
That's the spiritual equivalent of you going, I only like it how mommy makes it. And Paul's saying, listen, you need to grow up. Some Christians are the same way. They're too picky towards spiritual things, but not picky enough towards worldly things. Can I just like speak in a really straightforward way? Like we see this in our church. It may be uncomfortable. I just need to acknowledge the reality. We see this sometimes in our church. Um, People at our church watch the Saturday night broadcast or call our church offices to find out if I'm preaching that weekend. And if I'm preaching, attendance is higher than if I'm not preaching and somebody else is. Now, on the one hand, I love you too. Thank you so much. I mean, y'all are awesome. That's great. I love you guys too, okay? So I like that you like your pastor and you should like your pastor. That's awesome. So I like that. But do you know what I'd rather you like? Hearing God's word from anybody who's teaching. I'd rather you like that. Just hearing God's word from anybody who's teaching. Guys, all we are, this Bible says, man, it just said this in the passage. All we are is vessels. Somebody watered, somebody, you know, we were different tools. You know, this guy is like, man, this guy's a rake and this guy's a shovel. That guy's a hoe. Actually, that's a terrible analogy. It's like, man, all we are, we're just gardeners. God is the one that makes the seed grow. Paul, it says, Paul planted, Apollos watered. God gave the growth. Guys, did you know this? You are sitting in a church that is the living testament to the reality of Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. For those of you who are new to Lake Point, I know there's a lot of you who are new. I just need you to constantly know, I did not build this church. Uh, Before me, there was a senior pastor that's almost like a spiritual father to me, a man named Pastor Steve Stroop, who faithfully pastored this church and taught it faithfully the Word of God for 40 years before I ever got here. And Pastor Steve, that's right. And Pastor Steve faithfully fed his flock the Word of God 40 years, like a legendary, I kind of feel like like a a once-in-a-generation spiritual leader. And whenever the time came for Pastor Steve to retire, there were a lot of people in this church that were like, oh no, it's all going to fall apart. You know, if we don't have Steve, there's no way this thing can keep going. Like everything's going to come apart at the seams. But that didn't happen. What happened is, man, we, we, listen, I'm not the same as Steve. I can't fill his shoes. I can wear different shoes. But what we've continued to see is, man, the church is still growing. We're still seeing hundreds of people baptized, thousands of people coming to Christ. We're adding new campuses. God is still moving. And do you know what happened all along the way? Do you know why that was? Because the man who made Lake Point what it was never retires. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hey, he never goes away. So like, you're experiencing the reality of Steve planted, Josh is watering, but it's God that gives the growth. And mature Christians understand that. And so they're like, man, I don't care who's giving it. I just want Bible. Like, just give me Bible. I want more of that. Okay. Now, <coughs> I got something in my throat. Can you give me that? Let me, okay. Let me just get a sip real quick here. Okay. So you need to understand this. Mature Christians... They will take in the word of God, however it's, with me, however it's given to them. Now, just like babies are too picky towards spiritual things and not picky enough towards terrible things, okay? Like this true story. So the same kid, Hudson, who's like, I need it in triangles. I'll only take it out mommy gives you. I need a fork. I need it on a bowl. Nothing can touch each other. This is what's really frustrating. That same kid will be walking around our house, see a three-day-old squishy banana wrapped in hair on the floor and be like, ah, He'll eat it with no. Now, spiritual babies are the same way. 
You give them like Bible and they're like, I only like it how mommy makes it. I only like it how that guy teaches it. But for some reason, can I just be really honest? Some of you are immature in that you are picky towards the word and completely indiscriminate when you take in ideologies from the world. You'll just eat up every like hashtag activism, hashtag ideology. Love is love, the future is female, the secular progressive social justice movement. You just eat it all with absolutely no discernment like a toddler grabbing trash off the floor. And we're not, listen, mature Christians don't do that. Here's what, listen guys, we should not be evaluating the word of God by worldly ideologies. We should be evaluating worldly ideologies against the word of God. And, and, and so listen, here's what you should be doing. Here's what mature Christians do. First Thessalonians 5 says this. It says, test everything. Every ideology you get in the world, test it all. Hold fast to what's good. Reject what's evil. You need to get more discerning. Now, man, my throat's just really bothering me. I don't know. Does this look weird? Just be honest. Out loud, tell me, does this look weird? Okay, it looks weird. Do you know what else is weird? When this is the only time you receive the word of God, when somebody bottle feeds it to you. See, mature Christian, Paul says this in this passage. He says, hey, man, you guys ought to be mature. But the only time you take in the word of God is when somebody bottle feeds you milk. It's like, he's like, hey man, that's, that's not mature. Mature Christians, they learn to eat the word of God on their own. So let me just be very straightforward. I told you it's gonna be straightforward. You can decide if you're gonna do it, but this is what you should do. Mature Christians should be at church weekly to receive God's word corporately, weekly. Not 1.7 times a month. Not when the weather's good and it's not raining. Not when we felt like it, not, yeah, I could keep going, weekly. And then mature Christians should be in the word daily to receive God's word personally. They grow up and they learn how to eat God's word. If you don't know how to do it, let me just like, you can do it. And it's actually, it's really awesome when you do it. <laughs> it like God moves in your life. If you don't know how to start, here's how to start. Just start like this. All you need is 15 minutes. Start like this this week. Just start with five minutes of worship. Find a worship song that lifts your heart to Jesus and it takes you vertical in praising God. And then just spend five minutes. This is how you can start. Spend five minutes in the Bible just saying, Holy Spirit, what word do you have for me today? And then whatever God shows you in the word, spend five minutes in prayer, praying that God would enable you to obey what you read or believe what you read and put it into practice and give you opportunities to be a disciple. That's a great way to start. But watch this, all that's awesome. But after this, listen, this is really important. Then you have to actually do what it says. This is really important, do what it says, okay? A lot of Christians are awesome at studying, and reading and memorizing and looking at Greek words and doing 12-week studies and not very awesome at getting stuff done, okay? I want to give you an analogy. If my 11-year-old Eliana, if I was like, hey, babe, I need you to go clean your room. And Eliana left, and I came back to check on her 15 minutes later. I was like, hey, babe, did you clean your room? What if she said this? What if she said, Dad, I memorized what you said. Go clean your room. See, I can recite it. I memorized it. Go clean your room. Dad, actually, I memorized what you said in multiple translations. Go pick up your room. Go make your room look better. The New Living Translation says, like, make your room look awesome. You know, it's like, you know, Dad, I memorized what you said. Like, that, that's really great. Okay. Uh, or then she's, Dad, I can say it in Greek. 
that actually me and my friends, we're getting together and we're going to do like a 12-week study by Beth Moore called Cleaning Your Room God's Way. And like, we're going to learn all these different ways to clean your room. And then I was like, babe, but that's awesome. But did you clean your room? She's like, oh, no. Fail. Like, that's a fail. And guys, when the Bible says things like forgive one another as God has forgiven you, when it says things like love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, when it says these things, like do what it says. A lot of Christians, let me say this and move on. A lot of Christians, they say, we don't hear this at Lake Point, praise God, I hope, I hope we don't. Uh, but a lot of Christians, they say things like this, I just wish my church would go deeper. Can I be really honest? The vast majority of Christians are educated way past their level of obedience. If you would just do what you already knew, your life would change. Okay, so number one, mature Christians regularly eat God's word. Number two, mature Christians will participate, participate, there it is, participate in a life group. Now, this could be like re-engage, where's my re-engage folks at? Re-engage, okay, re-engage, that's our marriage health ministry, it's awesome. This could be, where's our regen folks at? Where's regen, 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 okay, they all attend on Saturday night. We got a few of you here, okay, regen. Do you need something, a life group, something where you're getting in relational proximity to other Christians? People can pray for you, you can be honest, and you can share your lives together. And, li and listen, this is a vital part of our discipleship and care strategy. Okay, you fill in the blank for me. I'm fill in the blank. Go ahead and toss it up there. Before you came to Lake Point, the reason you were hesitant to try this church was, say it out loud for me, you thought this church is too... Oh, man, oh, you ruined it, Okay. I was hoping everybody would say, awesome. That's it, okay? But that's what you thought. You thought, this church is too big, okay? Can I be really honest with you? Lake Point only feels too big if you haven't found your life group yet. See, worship has to be big because we need to reach people for Christ. But we need to be in small life groups because we need to care for the people that we reach. And listen, this is not just a vital part of Lake Point's strategy. This is a vital part of... God's strategy. Check this out in Acts 2. So in Acts 2, a little context here. Peter preaches outpouring of the Spirit, and 3,000 people can say, by the way, the first church ever was a megachurch. Please stop emailing me about evil megachurches. The first church ever, 3,000 people, okay? And they're all, they're all doing their thing, okay? And then watch what happened. It said, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, large group worship. And then they broke bread in there. You say it for me, in there. Homes, and that's why we're starting home groups in addition to our on-site life groups. They broke bread in their homes. So you had temple worship and then house-to-house -house life group and ministry. We have the exact same strategy. You come in here, you get fed the Word of God, we worship together. It might be like a little more energetic, that kind of thing. And then you get in life groups that are more intimate where you put it into practice. Now, here's why this is so important, okay? Check this out, 1 Peter 5. It says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Okay? Now, I'm going to show you something. This is a 90-second video that preaches better than I can do with words. I want to show you what happens when you are not connected to a herd, a life group, and you have an enemy that's prowling around. So this is a 90-second video. Uh, from a safari in the Serengeti. Check this out. So I'm gonna narrate a little bit here. So you got a couple water buffaloes. So heads up, all of you are water buffaloes today. That's congratulations. And then you have an enemy. They're crouching. Crouching and hiding. 
seeking something to devour. All right, now check this out. We're about to realize, okay, something's up. Something's up. Uh-oh. I feel like something's up. Uh-oh. Here we go. Attack. Now watch which one gets devoured. Watch which one. We're going to separate one from the herd, and here comes a really bad day. Oh, she did. She got it. Now, multiple predators pouncing on this one isolated victim of prey. Now watch the back. There's an alligator grabbing the back half at the same time. This is a really bad day for this water buffalo. That's a bad day. All right. Now, at this point, you would think that the, the video was over. Multiple lines on this thing. What they didn't know, they totally forgot. This dude's got a herd. He's got a herd. And here comes the herd. He didn't know. You mess with him, you mess with all of us. So they're ready. Here we go. Here we go. Here comes the herd. Get out of here, bro. Get out. Now, here's my favorite part. Check this out. I got this. Here we go. One, two, three. Boom. That's right. I got it for you in slow-mo. That's it. We need to see that twice. Get out of here. And now we're just going to, let's, that's right, let's get them all off, get them all off. Get, and he's free. Free, that's right, man. Free, free, free. <laughs> that's it. Okay, now, there are four things you can learn from that video. Number one, cats are evil. Number two, you have an enemy in hiding. You have an enemy in hiding at all times. Number three, the enemy will isolate you before he devours you. People will drift from the community of faith before they drift from the faith. Let me say it another way. Everyone who drifts from the community of faith ends up drifting from the faith. And then number four, you need a herd around you to chase away the enemy upon you. That's what a life group is. It's a group of people who are like, bro, we are in this together. It's a spot where you can get connected, guys to other guys, women to other women, where you can iron sharpens iron. You can encourage each other, pick each other up when you fall. You can speak life into each other. You can meet needs in hard times. You can correct each other when you start believing lies. Like that's the spot where you can text your group during the week about your wins. Like, bro, God showed me this in the word. Or like, I'm really struggling with this. Man, here's how God answered our prayer. If somebody gets sick, the rest of the group can support you. And listen, I need you to listen to this. When you go through a crisis, you need a spiritual family. And listen, here's why I say this. Listen, ah, I need you to get this. You need this family, this spiritual family, before the crisis comes. Before the crisis comes. You don't want to get in and have a whole pack of lions on you and then decide, man, maybe Pastor Josh was right. It's like, bro, that's too late. Like you needed it when the attack came, okay? So you need these things. So what will happen is you'll test out a life group and you might get in a life group and be like, man, I think we could be friends with these people. And then you go hang out with them and you're like, nope, they're weird, you know? And then you're like back to square one. 
But that's okay. Eventually, you'll develop friendships that are life-giving and have the support that you need. So the most spiritual thing some of you could do is text the word GROUP to the number 20411 to help you get into a group. Or if you're not a part of Lake Point yet, you could attend the Next Steps class that is literally happening today. And we will help you get into the community of God here. Okay. Now, number three, last one. Let me, let me land it here, okay? Number three, mature things a Christian does in church is you serve on a team and give financially. You guys don't understand, when it comes to kids and food, there's three phases. Here's the three phases. Phase one is, uh, I got Hudson's two. He needs someone to feed him. He, he ain't making any food on his own. So you need somebody to feed you. That's babies. You get a little more mature. I got a seven-year-old. Felicity, who she can't feed anybody else, but she can feed herself, okay? And then I got an 11-year-old, Eliana, who just moved to the stage of maturity, where not only can she feed herself, she can actually get some stuff together and feed the other children, okay? This spot where you serve on a team and give financially, this is where you transition from everybody else feeding you to you feeding others. This is where you transition from just being a taker to a giver. Instead of just benefiting from the church, you move to building the church. Look at what it says in Galatians 5. It just says this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So Paul's saying, hey, it was right into this church where there was a lot of legalism. And they were trying to impose all these Old Testament laws. And Paul goes, hey, you're free in Christ. Jesus met the standard of the Old Testament laws that you can never meet. Nobody knew that besides Jesus. So you're free from that. But watch this. But then he goes, but great that you're free, but don't use your freedom to be selfish. Use your freedom to serve other people in love. When you guys see people serving at Lake Point, the people who are serving are not thinking, man, God's not going to love me unless I serve. No, what they're thinking is, man, God has loved me so much and Jesus is so awesome. I got to help people get in on this. That's what they're feeling. I got to help people get in on this. Okay. So that's serving. But then let me talk about giving. Look at this passage from Malachi 3. It just says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be, you say it out loud with me, that there may be food where in my house test me in this says the lord almighty and see if i will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it now let me say a few things about this okay it says the whole tithe a tithe is 10 percent that's a tithe 10 percent of what God gives you. So it's not a percent that you make up depending on how you feel. It's 10%. So 10% of a paycheck, of a bonus, of the sale of a business. Listen, I am not encouraging you to play the lottery. But if you do and you win, you know where to come. Okay, praise God. We know that's, that's awesome, okay? So we, we know that. You know what to do with it. You want you to do the right thing, all right? So uh, th- this, is, this is what a tithe is. Now, there's a difference between tithing and tipping God. See, a tip is something you give someone who serves you. A tithe is something you give to God to symbolize that you serve him. And some people, it's like, man, whenever you know, the giving moment comes, they're like, man, bro, what I got, I got like a five and a cough drop, I'm in. 
It's like, man, that, that's tipping. God wants you to like go all in with this symbol that like everything belongs to you in a tithe. So all in, okay? Right, I had a flight back from uh, Oregon to, uh, to Dallas two days ago. Right before I got on the plane, I got a big breakfast burrito. It was awesome. Uh, it was uh, eggs and bacon, okay? So there were two animals that were part of my breakfast burrito, part of making it happen, a chicken and a pig. Okay, here's the difference. The chicken made a contribution, the pig went all in. That's it, okay? Now all in. So it's like, bro, everything I am, you know, I'm, I'm laying it on the line. When we tithe and we bring the first 10% of what God entrusts to us, that's us saying, man, everything I have belongs to you. And then notice it said, to my house. It doesn't say that you can like designate it and send some around to different things as you feel led. So it's not like, oh, I'm gonna give some to Caleb and some to this televangelist because he said he would send me like a prayer shawl sprinkled in holy water. And then, okay, I'm gonna give some to my church because they're okay. And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. No, no, it says bring the whole tithe to, to God's house, your local church. So you may be going, well, why, why is that? Why can't I break it up how I want? Well, well listen, here's why. Because it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. And when you designate it, that's you trying to control something that doesn't belong to you when the whole point of tithing is to teach us to submit to God's control. And it says, bring it to my house that there may be food. There may be food. Did you guys know this? We serve spiritual food every week at Lake Point. Like, I'm doing that right now. And some of you are like, oh, this is so good. Yum, 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 yum. That's it. Hopefully, hopefully you're like, okay, this is okay. Good, good, good. All right, yeah. We serve spiritual food. And, and, and listen, the spiritual food that nourishes your soul is paid for by the tithes that you bring to God. And also the spiritual food that nourishes your kids and your coworkers. We have lost people with us every week, and we are so generous, we're picking up the tab for their spiritual food too. This is what this does. And, and God gives this promise. He says, whoever does this, I'll pour out, it says, so much blessing you can't contain it. Listen, I need you to get this so bad. If you have experienced the truth of what I'm about to say, I need you to like testify like that's true, okay? Here's what I found as a pastor is there's two types of people. There's people who don't tithe and then they look at their life and they're like, man, I don't understand, but it's never enough. And then there's people who do tithe and they're like, man, I don't understand, but it's always enough. That's like a thing. That's a real thing. So here's how this will work in your life, okay? And all these people, they're like, they're like, I've seen that. Here's how this will work in your life. God and 90% of your income can do more than you and 100% of your income. That's a fact, okay? So God's like, do this, okay? So let me say it in a straightforward way. All Christians should tithe and give offerings as they are able and all Christians should find a way to serve the body. Now, let, let me summarize everything I just said like this and show you cause and effect in your life, okay? So these three things, how to be a mature Christian in the church, okay? If you, so regularly eat God's word, participate in a life group, serve on a team, give financial. Here's how this works. If you only do one of these three things, you are going to struggle spiritually. That is absolutely gonna happen. You're gonna struggle spiritually. If you do two out of three of these things, what I've seen is that like, you're generally gonna be okay. Probably not gonna thrive, but like, you're generally gonna be okay. If you go all in and you do all three of these things, you are 100% guaranteed to grow in your faith, 
to fulfill God's purpose for your life, to experience God's blessing on your life, and to make an impact in the world through Jesus Christ. That is going to happen as you do this. That's right, man. Okay. So what you need to understand is this whole message, this isn't God wanting something from you. God wants to give something to you. He wants to pour out blessing in your life. In fact, here, here, let, me, let me land it like this. Here, here's how this works. Look at how this passage concludes. Paul says this. If anybody builds on a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. I'm going to explain that in a second. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day is going to bring it to light. Like somebody's going to see what you built. They're going to see that, okay? It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Now check this out. What he's saying is everybody's life is building something. You are using your time, talent, treasure, energy, income, resources to build something with your life. The question isn't, are you building something? The question is, are you building something with your life that will last in eternity? And if you're leveraging your life and resources to do things that last for 40 or 50 years, you're building with wood, hay, and straw. And eventually the fire of death will come and it will sweep away everything that you built and you will have nothing left. But if you are leveraging your life to build something that lasts for eternity, and the, listen, the only thing that lasts for eternity is the souls of people. If you're leveraging your life like that, it's almost like you're building with gold, silver, and precious stones. And when the fire of death comes, it doesn't destroy any of those things. And you get to keep them forever. And you get eternal rewards forever in heaven. So God is saying, listen, are you leveraging your life for something that will outlive your life? Here's what that looks like. Living your life this way, what can I do to make sure there's more people in heaven, more people in heaven, more people in heaven, more people in heaven? Now, some of you, you're hearing a message like this and you're feeling something in you where like God is calling you to himself. And you're like, feeling God do something in you and you're realizing like, man, I'm not even to the mature point yet. I just need to like become a child of God. Like you're realizing I need to give my life to Christ. If that's you and you've been around Lake Point for like the last four or six weeks or something like that and you're realizing you need to cross that line of faith, I, I want you to do that like right now, okay? So at all of our campuses, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Would you do that? And listen, I wanna make something really, really clear. You don't have to do anything I just said to be saved. None of those things saves you. The only thing that saves you is believing in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's what saves you. So if you're like, man, I need to do that and to give my life to God. Um, right now, would you just pray this prayer in your seat like from a sincere heart and just pray, just pray, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I have put other things besides you first. Pray this, pray this from a sincere heart. But I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you rose from the grave. From a sincere heart, just tell God this. From this day forward, as best as I know how, I will live for you first. 
Thank you for making me a son or a daughter of God. Now listen, um, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. And if that was you and you crossed a line of faith today and gave yourself to Christ, um, on the count of three here in a second, I want you to raise your hand really high. And here's why I'm saying that. Because I believe something solidifies in you spiritually when you respond physically. So on the count of three, if that was you, hand in the air, count of three, one, God loves you. Two, you came here for a reason today. Three, I want you to raise your hand real high in the air right now. Raise it real high, real high. Oh man, yes, real high. Keep them up, keep them up, man. All, all, yep, awesome. Keep them up real high. I want to know who we're praying for. I'm giving my life to Christ right now. Yes, man, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.